Welcome to Abide's Sleep Meditations. I'm Tyler Boss. Today's meditation is brought to you by our partners at Life Audio. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Head over to lifeaudio.com now. Remember, you can have full access to all our sleep stories commercial-free. Just text ABIDE to 22433 for 25% off the app. Now, relax your mind and body as we hear tonight's sleep story. Hello, my name is Edward Grinnan, Editor-in-Chief of Guidepost Publications. I want to welcome you to my bedtime Bible story on ABIDE. Finding restful sleep can sometimes be challenging. So I hope this story of God's love will bring you rest that rejuvenates your spirit for the day to come. Before we begin the story, close your eyes. Release the busyness of your day. Get comfortable. Release your burdens to God. This is your time to rest and rejuvenate. When you are suitably relaxed, consider how weary your mind and soul are. Take a deep breath. Now hold it and slowly release it as I count to five. One, two, three, four, and five. Feel the weight of your body sink into your bed. Know that God longs to guide and protect you as you sleep. Visualize yourself waking up in the morning after a long, restful, uninterrupted sleep, ready to tackle your day. Refreshed. You have rested in God's warm embrace. You feel God's deep, deep love for you. In just a moment, I'm going to share a story about one of my adventures with my golden retriever, Gracie. It's a story about waiting. But first, hear these verses from God's Word. Isaiah chapter 25, verse 9 reads, It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him, that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. And Titus chapter 2 verse 13 says this about waiting. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. What a glorious thought that we will receive such a life-giving reward for our patience. Let me pray for you. Dear God, as this dear listener lies down to sleep, relax the tension of their body, calm the restlessness of their mind, still the thoughts which worry and perplex them. Help this beloved of yours to rest and turn over 
all their problems into your strong and loving arms. Let your spirit speak to their mind and heart while they are asleep, so that when they wake up in the morning, they may find that they have received in the nighttime light for their way, strength for their tasks, peace for their worries, and forgiveness for their sins. Grant them sleep tonight, and tomorrow power to live in your wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Now remember, if you fall asleep while I'm talking, that's okay. Gracie and I won't mind. We want you to get a good night's sleep. In fact, Gracie's sleeping right now. <laughs> and with that, let's begin our story. What a day, I said to my golden retriever, Gracie, riding behind me in the back seat of our Jeep. Her head popped up and she smiled in agreement. You know what I mean. When your dog's eyes light up, their ears perk, and their tongues droop out, that's a dog smile for sure. I'm certain God designed it that way. I believe God loves dogs almost as much as he loves us. Dogs and humans, a match made in heaven. All of mine have been. On this flawless early summer morning, with the sun already high and the air as clear and sharp as polished glass, we were driving north on Route 7 toward Monument Mountain in the Berkshires of western Massachusetts. Monument was Gracie's favorite place to hike. Mine too. I've taken all my dogs to Monument Mountain through the years. Their first time up to the summit is a kind of canine rite of passage. At age seven, Gracie has been there plenty of times by now, by several different routes, always game to dry a new path, which sometimes there is no actual path, and that can lead to an adventure. Monument Mountain Reservation is a 503-acre wooded area near Great Barrington, close to where we live part-time in Little Monterey, Massachusetts. As you make your way up Route 7, the mountain rises like an anvil. The mountain, with its jagged cliffs of quartzite, was sacred to the Mohican people long before white settlers arrived. They would deliver prayer offerings to the summit to be left in a monument, long since gone, from which the mountain gained its name. The summit is the knife-edged Picasaw Peak at 1,642 feet. There is also, and now don't be alarmed, a freestanding pillar called the Devil's Pulpit. Not that I've ever seen any devils up there. Only spectacular views of the Berkshires and the Housatonic Valley and the occasional red-tailed hawk swooping on an updraft virtually at eye level my late great golden retriever, Millie, practically jumped off the pillar once trying to catch one. It drifted so close. I'd rather call it the Angel's Perch than the name that stuck. Maybe I'll start a petition. The mountain has its literary history as well. In 1815, 
William Cullen Bryant penned an ode to Monument Mountain, which told the story of a fictional Mohican woman, quote, with a wealth of raven tresses, unquote, who, heartbroken over a tragic love affair, leapt to her death from the peak. Frankly, it's a forgettable piece of poetic apocrypha, but some lines I shall quote in order to give you a better sense of the landscape. The beauty and majesty of the earth, spread wide beneath, shall make thee to forget the steep and toilsome way. There, as thou stands, the haunts of men below thee, and around the mountain summits, thy expanding heart shall feel a kindred with that loftier world, to which thou hast translated and partake the enlargement of thy vision. More memorable than Brian's convoluted ode, however, was the very first encounter between two celebrated American men of letters, Nathaniel Hawthorne and Herman Melville, one August day in 1850. They agreed to meet, dramatically enough, at the summit, Hawthorne taking the South Trail and the younger Melville tackling the more rugged northern approach, now known as the Hickey Trail. It is not known who arrived first. Near the peak, they laid out a picnic lunch over which they planned to debate the great issues of the day. As is not unusual in the Berkshires in summer, a sudden storm reared its thunderheads, driving the two riders into a small, boulder cave. There, as the storm raged, Melville mentioned a book he was completing about a great white whale and a peg-legged sea captain who is singularly obsessed with it. Hawthorne thought the idea had great merit and urged Melville to publish it. Of course, the book was Moby Dick, and it still holds a firm place in the American literary canon. I mean, who wasn't forced to read all 200,000-plus words of it at some point or another, or at least watch the movie? The Lord had given Gracie no knowledge of literary titans or great white whales or heartsick maidens. She only knew that this was going to be a day of serious outdoor fun at a beloved place. And anything that makes her happy makes me happy. Isn't that true about you and your dog? I believe God gives us just the right dog at just the right time in our lives. They appear in our lives for a reason, another way God shows his love for us. And if your dog is sometimes difficult, which Gracie rarely is, that's a lesson in love as well. We turned into the parking area. Gracie bounced around in back, the ground still rutted from the harsh Berkshire winter. She watched impatiently, her white brow knitted into a frown and her eyes slitted as I got out and paid the $5 parking fee at the freestanding credit card machine and stuffed a few dollars in a lockbox for upkeep of the trails and grounds. They don't take care of themselves, you know. 
I filled Gracie's water bottle and added a few treats to her hiking bag, designed for her to carry, but I usually end up with it. I applied bug spray liberally. I leashed Gracie and decided to start at the south trailhead, the path Hawthorne took. I was always partial to Hawthorne. But first we had to say hi to a boisterous group of kids from one of the summer camps who just finished their hike. Gracie is always a hit with kids and loves the attention. Every kid is her new best friend. Ten campers must have taken turns scratching her belly. Is she a puppy? a girl asked. No, I said, laughing. She just thinks she's one. I don't know how many times I've thanked the Lord for giving me a dog with a youthful heart. I think it's his way of helping me stay young. What's her name, she asked. Gracie? I'm going to add her to my prayers tonight. That's so nice of you, I said. Thank you. We said goodbye to the campers and headed to our trail, the Indian Mountain Trail. It's rocky, but not too steep at first, and parallels Route 7, a little too close for comfort to take Gracie off-leash. On the right, the hillside is rocky. We stop to take a picture. Then the trail rises and swings to the right into the woods, gradually gaining altitude. The trail is wide along this stretch. That's because it was once a carriage trail that started on what is now Route 7. During the Gilded Age of the late 19th century, when the Berkshires were the summer refuge for the rich of Boston and Hartford, picnickers who weren't up for hiking the steeper trails, especially the ladies in their hoop skirts, would ride up in carriages to a point close to the summit. From there they would have to climb, servants carrying picnic baskets, up a steep series of stone steps into the mountainside to make their ascent easier. The men, for their part, at least from what I can tell from old pictures, hiked in tweed vests and wool sporting coats, which seems like madness to us moderns who wear shorts and tank tops. And lots of bug repellent. Maybe that's the real reason for the difference in clothing. Deet. Around a slight bend, I spotted a ripped plastic garbage bag, its contents strewn up along the hillside off the trail. Not the crime of a litter bug, mind you, unless you consider black bears litter bugs. This time of year, when forest food is still scarce, the bears raid nearby homes and campsites, dragging the bags up the mountainside to where it is safe to pause and examine the contents in private. I was glad I still had Gracie on leash. Bears are weirdly fussy about what they will actually eat from their pillage, and there was plenty left over for Gracie to consider if she had been free. Instead, she had to resign herself to raising her snout and sniffing the air longingly. Once, on our property, a bear had totally ignored a container of cottage cheese from our raided trash. That always puzzled me. Don't bears like cottage cheese? We were making good progress, with Gracie leading and the trail steepening. The birds were chirping and singing and carrying on. 
A woodpecker's paradiddle seemed to ricochet off the boulders. A billowing breeze tried to lift the trees. It was time to release the golden. Grace trembled with anticipation as I fiddled with her collar. She was off the instant she felt the leash release, kicking up her hind legs like a feisty colt and racing up the trail, feathery tail aloft, only to stop abruptly, almost cartoonishly, at something that needed to be immediately and definitively sniffed. I let her sniff as much as she wants on these jaunts, because sniffing really tires a dog out. And a tired dog is a good dog, as they say. Fully one-third of a dog's brain is requisitioned for olfactory functions, so you can imagine the mental energy that is expended on the riot of smells in the woods. It must be almost psychedelic to a dog with a nose like Gracie's, a kaleidoscope of sense, if you will. Then she was off again, taking a graceful leap over a blowdown that I would have to scramble over. Its demise seemed pretty recent from the condition of its root system sticking up in the air, clumps of fresh dirt still dangling from it. We'd had some big storms this spring, ones that make you grateful you have a roof over your head and a God in heaven. She disappeared around a bend. I stopped, listened, couldn't hear her. I let out a whistle that pierced the forest. Suddenly I heard the thunder of pounding paws. Gracie raced toward me, turned a circle around where I was standing, low to the ground like a cutting horse, and came to a dusty stop at my feet, tongue drooping, eyes ablaze. I sat on a flattish rock, poured water into her bright red portable, and took a slug for myself. The sharp, woodsy air was still cool, but I was already perspiring as I collected my breath. Gracie's flailing tongue splashed water everywhere. Goldens are the sloppiest drinkers, apart from labs, which I've had, like our beloved Marty, who also loved Monument Mountain. I secured the water and bowl in Gracie's pack and tapped her on the rump to let her know she was free, and off she went. I caught up to her at a turn in the trail where it widened and the trees thinned. She'd been waiting for me and shot me a happy look that said, Keep up. Then she veered off into the woods and over a ridge and down into a gully she likes to investigate. I slowed my pace to give her time to complete her explorations. She usually reappears in five minutes or so, and I only pray that she does not find a mud patch to roll in. Secretly, my white golden wants to be a brunette, I think. I wish I could show you a picture of some of her mud baths. Five minutes passed, then ten. I gave a whistle, clapped my hands, called her name. Come on, Grace. No, Gracie. I carry a whistle with me to ward off bears or when I really need to get her attention. Now I blew it, then listened for her rustling in the brush. I was met with dead silence. Gracie is an independent-minded dog, but she also minds me. She knows she is supposed to come back when called, and usually does. 
sometimes in her own good time, admittedly, but she always comes. I waited for her to reappear. Or was she waiting for me further up the trail? The year before, she had a run-in with a porcupine, and I had to drive her to the animal emergency room in Albany. Gracie barely took notice of a half-dozen quills embedded in her muzzle and wanted to keep hiking to the top. She became an inadvertent menace to other hikers, running up to them to introduce herself and unknowingly poking them with the protruding quills. It was also last year that I lost her here. Virtually the same scenario, except I panicked. I went crashing into the brush and down the ravine looking for her. Then I raced up the trail to the summit, down the other side, back up and over again, asking other hikers if they'd seen a golden retriever. Most had, and said she seemed to be looking for someone. I found a nice rock to sit on and wait, a quiet breeze cooling me off as I took a drink. Intuitively, waiting would seem like a passive experience. Except we spend so much of our lives waiting waiting to grow up, waiting to meet the right person, waiting for the right job, the right house, waiting for everything, it seems. Waiting is not passive, and nothing in life demands waiting like faith. Waiting is measured by time, but God's time is not our time. It transcends time. How long do we wait for a prayer to be answered? Sometimes our whole lives. Sometimes a minute. I think that all prayers are answered instantly. We just don't know the answer instantly because we are constrained by time. God is not. It isn't as if he has to think about how to answer a prayer. Only when we are to know it. How long did we wait for a Savior to be born? How long will we wait for his return? Faith is all about waiting. It is a discipline I of all people need to be better at. For when we wait, we trust in the Lord. Waiting is an act of faith. So this was good practice, sitting quietly on this rock unwrapping a protein bar, and convincing myself not to go crashing into the woods. Lord, I prayed, keep me still. I breathed in the mossy air and closed my eyes. A peace came over me, the peace of waiting. Nearby, I heard the trickle of water running down some rocks. An owl hooted. What was he doing up at this hour? Well, there are a few species that hunt in daylight. There's one in the woods behind our house, in fact. I hear him almost every morning, along with the chorus of other birds that live in our woods. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently. And all at once here she comes, trotting down the trail, a little muddy, but not too bad, tongue hanging out, a happy dog. Whatever she was up to, it was fun. 
She flopped down at my feet, her chin resting on the toe of my right boot. God, how I love this dog. Good girl, Gracie. Gracie's official name is Grace, and we call her other versions of her name. And so she is, Grace on Four Paws. I thank the Lord every day for his gift of grace. I could never feel such deep love if it were not God-given. Soon enough, we're on the move again, Gracie in the lead, glancing back occasionally to make sure I'm keeping up. I felt an exhilaration as I recalled Psalm 27:14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. By now the old carriage trail was rutted and overgrown and the bugs were coming out. Deet only dissuades them to some degree, so I put on a cap to keep them out of my hair. We were passing close to a farm, and as we did, a rooster crowed. The sound stopped Gracie in her tracks. This rooster fascinates Gracie. She can't quite figure it out. She's never quite heard a bird sound like that. There's one down the road from us that has the same effect on her. Her ears perk up and she sniffs the air. What is this noisy thing? I walked up ahead of her, and she followed, glancing once over her shoulder in the direction of the raucous bird. If she was offended or just trying to understand it, I couldn't tell you. There is so much... I want to ask God about my dog when I get to heaven. Don't you? We hit a steep section where we were both huffing and puffing, but I wanted to make it to the top where it flattened out without stopping. Can we do it, girl? I asked. As if in response, Gracie surged ahead and beat me to the top where we both caught our breath. To the left was the crossover trail that leads to Flag Rock. It's a relatively new trail with some great scenery and a beautiful new footbridge over a gorge. I was tempted to change our plans and veer off. I looked at Gracie. What do you think? I asked my dog. She was definitely considering it. She paused for a moment, looked at me, then continued up Monument Trail. Next time, I guessed. Another twenty minutes or so and we reached Inscription Rock, just below the summit. The rock, which states that the reservation was a gift to the state in 1890, is a popular spot to take a picture and enjoy the sweeping view. Today, though, there were no picture-takers. No one at all. But this was as high as we were going today. To the right was the trail leading to the rock steps to the summit, a thin ridge of boulders. It always made me a little nervous to take a dog up there, though I'd done it plenty. Maybe I'm getting more cautious with age. Maybe I would die if anything ever happened to Gracie. We headed down the steep, gorgeous hickey trail, which runs along a lush ravine on the left. Halfway down on the right, slightly off the trail, is a waterfall that forms a gentle pool at its base. We detoured to a short path that took us there. This is where I had scattered the ashes of Millie, 
the golden who was Gracie's predecessor. I wanted to pay our respects and whisper a prayer of thanks for these loving companions God blesses us with. Gracie sat quietly as if she knew. I gave her a hug and a kiss on her head, and we were on our way home. As you sleep, I pray your strength will be renewed. May you be rejuvenated to face the day ahead. Sleep tight, my friend. Have a restful night. May you put whatever troubles of your day behind you, for they are over. As you sleep, wait upon the Lord, for he watches over you and will greet you with his unbounding love when you awaken. Let yourself rest in his arms and imagine him holding you as sleep comes upon you. Sleep well, my friend. Sleep well. May the peace of the Lord cover you like a soft blanket, and the prayers of God's angels keep you safe. Amen.